Hi, everybody. This is Jeff Feingold, editor of New Hampshire Business Review with our Down to Business podcast for this week. Uh, joining me, of course, is Amanda Andrews, our producer and associate editor. And this week we have on two special guests, Amy Mahoney, who's executive director of the Epilepsy Foundation of New England, and Bill Murphy, who is the director of advocacy and public policy at the foundation. First of all, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks now, for having uh, us. Great. Um, Amanda arranged this uh, this this appearance, and I and I appreciate it very much because it's a it's a it's a big deal. It means this is an issue that's important to me as as well as as much as anybody. And um, this month is Ep Epilepsy Awareness Month. And I, if you could just discuss a little bit about the importance of be, of people being aware of of epilepsy and and you know it's just the basics on that. I don't know, Amy, would you like to take it or Bill? I'm I'm just throwing it up in the air there. So jump ball. Okay. Um, well, I can start, and then I think Amy could fill us in on what specifically is happening in New Hampshire. You know, the, the key element of Epilepsy Awareness Month, as the name implies, is to increase awareness of epilepsy. Um, and it's so important because really epilepsy is a very common neurological disorder uh, that's characterized by recurring seizures. And I, I think the key word here is when I say common, what a lot of people don't know is that one in 26 Americans have epilepsy. And um, it's much more common than, than people have. So uh, obviously, uh, there's a lot of folks we want to reach out to. We want to increase awareness of this common neurological disorder. And the Epilepsy Foundation uh, covers five states, New Hampshire being one, one of the, uh, the states that we cover. And uh, Amy is based and covers New Hampshire. So I'm going to let her talk more about what we're doing specifically around Epilepsy Month in New Hampshire. Yes, so um, I am the executive director of the Epilepsy Foundation, New England for New Hampshire and Maine. And so that um, puts me kind of in charge of our efforts in New Hampshire. And the Epilepsy Foundation of New England has a wonderful program with um, AmeriCorps. And I don't know how many people listening are aware of the AmeriCorps program, but we have members who are serving um, their AmeriCorps time, their AmeriCorps year with the Epilepsy Foundation of New England. And in New Hampshire, we have, and all over New England for that matter, we have um, some great folks helping us through that program. And um, our efforts in New Hampshire and around New England are um, really being led by them in some of their outreach. And some of the things that we're doing, New Hampshire specific, are um, I'll give an example. There is a local woman who lives where in my community in North Conway. Um, and so we've broken down um, both, both our partners for the Epilepsy Foundation, which are a couple of nonprofits, um, Little Angel Service Dogs and like the Laura Foundation for Autism and Epilepsy. Um, one basically has service dogs that they give to people with epilepsy, they train them and other disabilities. And the Laura Foundation gives free programming, adaptive sports and recreation programming to individuals with autism, epilepsy, as well as other disabilities. So there is a local woman and some of her efforts this month are going to be some awareness projects at the Laura Foundation. And also she is contacting all of the area schools in school administrative unit nine, which is SAU nine, and reaching out to them and seeing if their front offices as well as their nursing 
departments need information on epilepsy. And she'll be distributing pamphlets about um, epilepsy first aid and epilepsy awareness and also finding out if they need seizure first aid training. Um, and basically like really the big push for us is to just educate um, people. Like this is, if somebody has a seizure, this is what you do. You don't have to panic. Um, I, I know I, had a, I have a son who has seizures and I'm, I'm actually pretty lax about it now. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, if he has a seizure, it's okay. It's no big deal you need to do, but can you imagine like being a school teacher who's 25 years old, who's never seen anybody with a seizure is like, it is a really big deal. Um, so that's one of the, that's what we're trying to do is outreach. And then from a marketing standpoint, we are taking like all these different things that we're doing, like at the Laura Foundation and with the local schools. I'm just kind of using my community where I live because I, I know exactly, you know, I'm very dialed into what we're doing here. Um, and then we're taking that and we have other AmeriCorps folks who are taking the information um, that we're giving them and promoting it through our social media people at the Epilepsy Foundation. And we're writing press releases and um, we're trying to make it very coordinated and getting it to like, for example, New Hampshire, WMUR. Okay, this is what they're doing in Conway, New Hampshire, um, because we want the word to get out through all kinds of different avenues of media. So I was very long-winded. <laughs> no, you're good. That's, that's excellent to hear. And, um, but you were telling me off air that, you know, some of the services you offer um, just on a, on a regular basis is, you know, you help with transportation and education, but can you um, talk a little bit more about like the resources you offer for families and those who have epilepsy and maybe um, right. those organizations who receive that kind of training? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd like to just follow up on something Amy said. I, I want to yeah. That's the uh, term community health workers. The Epilepsy Foundation is sort of leading this movement uh, and a new approach to providing services to people. Um, you know, I'll use an example. Person goes to the doctors. Um, we're very fortunate in each of the states we serve. There's a number of comprehensive epilepsy centers, uh, Dartmouth-Hitchcock, that specialize in the treatment of epilepsy. And, you know, a doctor can oftentimes say, well, here's your prescription and this is great and hopefully it's going to help to control your seizures a lot of folks may need help with simple things of you know remembering to take their medication compliance okay. is a big issue so this approach that we have are, are implementing now and i think it's going to become a model for a lot of programs is having community health workers based at the hospital and being able to follow up with individuals how are you doing with taking your medication do you need cues to help you re remember this so there's that follow-up and individual approach and you know i think you know you talk about our programs and services and the roster is quite extensive you know I, I i break it into sort of three areas individual and family services mm. that we provide and then we provide community and professional education programs like as amy mentioned to school nurses to police departments and then advocacy empowering our folks to you know, speak on their own behalf and um, share their stories. As Amy said, we have resource rooms at the Comprehensive Epilepsy Centers. We have, I, I can't even keep count of how many uh, resource and share groups we have. Uh, and these groups provide both needed support, but also social opportunities. We have right. social groups that meet virtually. Uh, we have the Maddie Project, Kids Connect, the Young Leaders Network. We have a grieving program for families who have lost uh, a family member to what we call SUDEP, Sudden Unexplained Death from Epilepsy. Uh, 
financial aid, helping people with their cost of their medication, uh, scholarships. Uh, we have a variety of camps, uh, everything from horse riding camps to sailing camps to overnight camps for kids. Obviously, our advocacy and public policy, working with legislators to advance policies and, and legislation. And, and I, I think it's worth noting, too, because people like to hear this, the ultimate goal is to find a cure for epilepsy. That's what people want. And we commit a lot of our resources to research. And uh, I think we're just in the beginning phases right now. We do sort of a shark tank approach where researchers from throughout our area, we support the national efforts also, but um, throughout our area come and pitch their research and we give, I, I think it's up to like 75,000 to local research, researchers to advance their research. So I think it's a wide array of programs and services, as I said, from the community down to the individuals and their family. Bill, that was very informative. I love that. Um, actually, on the research avenue of it, um, I always have, I'm an anecdotal story type of person, but we live first. So my son used to have like for years, 50 to 100 seizures a day. And um, it brings it back to New Hampshire. We took him all over the country, but we, um, because, you know, we were, we were really looking, you just don't have that many seizures for no reason. So we were kind of looking for a genetic cause, but we always kept coming back to Dartmouth. Um, they're, the, they're, they have this, they had a couple of doctors who were like just the best researchers in the country, like these neurogeneticists. And um, it was really interesting to me that we came back to Dartmouth, like coming back to New Hampshire, because they never gave up. And they, um, so research is a really big deal. And we did stop his seizures in the end, by the way. But if I can explain a little bit about what Bill said about the community health workers and how it pertains to New Hampshire. I have like two two stories I was just thinking about. And this is the thing in the, the less than two months that I've been at this job, um, I was like, oh my gosh, so many people with who are living with epilepsy or individuals in their family with epilepsy really do need our services. And it's amazing to see how we can help them. Um, there is a young professional woman, her boyfriend reached out to the Epilepsy Foundation and it was forwarded to me. They live in New Hampshire. And um, he was in need of help because she's had some seizures with transportation for her. Um, and we're actually still working on that because it was transportation to her job, which is in Maine, and um, it's a little complicated. But one of the things is it's really hard to find therapists in any, like anybody will tell you if they're having mental health issues or anything, it is so hard to find therapists. And therapists specifically for epilepsy is tough. So in the short term, like we're helping with that, but what we did is we hooked her up with, um, and now everything can be virtual. So it's so much easier. This is a young professional. So we've hooked her up through our community health workers. Um, they did some research and this is like through the AmeriCorps program. And we've gotten her into a support group for young professionals through Mass General. And so it meets weekly and um, it's just, it, it, that's what she needed to be able to talk to other people who are living their life, but having to take seizure medicines and do they do a breakthrough seizure so then they can't drive to work and um it's amazing when you realize you're not the only person like dealing with this and so that's one example but then we have another example of a woman whose son um like from a parent's perspective and this is where i've always come from because i'm the mother of a child with seizures um he has all kinds of health issues aside from his epilepsy and their issues are there is a myriad of of issues they're dealing with their local school and they can't find nursing appropriate nursing care because everyone's having trouble it's not 
the school's fault, but they're having trouble. Um, they're having financial issues because they need, when he's home, round the clock care and both parents have to be there. And so what we, what our health worker did, she's done a ton of work. Um, they needed some fuel assistance and um, assistance with electric bills. And there was information through, with the school. And so we worked with one of our partner people, New Hampshire Family Voices, and they are helping with some of the transitional things for this um, this boy who's a late teen. And that's another great resource in the state of New Hampshire, New Hampshire Family Voices, for anybody who needs anything dealing with services in the state. Um, and she was in touch with the fuel company and the electric company explaining the situation and working out a payment plan. And then I gave her some information because I've dealt with so many school systems now because of my son with some school things. And so it was like amazing how much help they need. And it was unbelievable how they turned to the Epilepsy Foundation and we got them help where they needed it. So those are just two stories about how people living with epilepsy really do need help. And, um, it's, I, I, it's pretty fascinating what the Epilepsy Foundation is doing, like at a very grassroots level. Yeah, and I, this actually brings to mind a couple of stories that I remember because you were talking about costs. And I remember there was a while ago, you know, running, running around some social media sites, there was a story about a woman who always carried a note with her on the bus. And I believe she had epilepsy um, and she had seizures all the time. And she, and it, the note basically said, like, I'm going to have a seizure, but please don't call the ambulance. It will pass because... Sometimes if you're, you know, you know, if you're in a public place and you have a seizure, you're going to go, someone's going to call 911 and then you're going to have to incur those costs of an ambulance ride and the care that they give you. But if they're so often and happen so often, it's kind of difficult to kind of pay those bills and you're just like, oh, if they would have just, you know, you know, not called, you know, an ambulance, I would have been right. fine. It's just, it's, there's a lot of education around it. And because again, people don't really know, like, their first instinct is immediately to call an ambulance. So it's, right. it's, um, they don't know. Right. Um, you know, I think we look at it from two issues, uh, but the public's response. Um, mm, so yeah. they need to know more. And that's why we do our community education programs. You know, 911 is not always needed and not always the answer. And then also empowering the person with epilepsy. Like you said, the woman who carried the card with her. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to understand their own epilepsy and to be able to explain it to colleagues and peers, whether it be at a work situation and stuff. And, you know, while we work on individual cases, um, and there's 13,000 people living with epilepsy in, in New Hampshire, uh, we also need to look at it from the broader perspective, too. Amy had mentioned school situations. We're, we'll be looking at filing a piece of legislation in New Hampshire called the Seizure Safe Schools Act that would assure that all schools have information on how to recognize and treat seizures responsibly. Um, so we try to uh, also throw out a wider net while we're doing our individual work. So, And I'm actually curious, is there any um, education that we do in or that we can bring to workplaces? Because I know a lot of the education is on the person with the epilepsy, on telling people like, um, advocating for themselves and educating others around them, but is there any services offered where workplaces can be educated um, if they tend to have an employee that has epilepsy and like what to do in certain instances or how they can best accommodate them? Right. Um, I, I think there's two parts to that. You know, uh, one is any business um, uh, 
can call the Epilepsy Foundation and ask us to come in and do a seizure recognition and first aid program. Uh, oftentimes that is prompted because someone on staff has had a seizure and people like, want to know more. Uh, the other side of that is, you know, employees who have epilepsy, uh, um, in, in cases they do need a job accommodation. Um, and I know that's oftentimes a big, you know, question mark for, for folks, what is an accommodation? It's important to remember epilepsy is a spectrum and no one size fits all. And um, people with epilepsy, you know, know their seizures and what's best for their particular instances. They need to be able to explain their seizures and ask for the accommodation that they need. You know, we don't want to make blanket assumptions that, oh, all people with epilepsy are going to need this or need that. Um, and it actually, any, any employee, it is their responsibility to be able to ask uh, what an accommodate for an accommodation and explain what that accommodation uh, is. You know, there are some common ones, but again, it, uh, we don't want to say one size fits all. Oftentimes, it's, some folks may need flex time um, around their seizures. Uh, some people may need a brief rest period if they do explain or if they do have a seizure, or they may want to explain to their coworkers what to do if I have a seizure, not across the board, but this is what you do in my case. You know, and, and it can become a complicated uh, issue. I would do two things. One, uh, feel free to use the Epilepsy Foundation as a resource. Uh, many employers and employees ha have done that. And also there's a great uh, reference resource called JAN, the Job, Job Accommodations Network that, um, no, I can't get into that today, but they will provide you with reams of information. And you can basically in this day and age, just Google uh, Job Accommodations Network. So uh, the bottom line message is it's so individualized, but there are resources out there and approaches to help. Hey Bill, could you tell explain a little bit about this legislation you were talking about that that's uh, proposed in New Hampshire? Um, it, it's uh, called the Seizure Safe Schools Act. Um, our what, advocacy. I'm sorry. What's the goal of of the act? I mean, uh, you know, to assure that students are uh, have every opportunity for an appropriate education and a safe environment. Um, you know, that, that's the uh, elevator speech for it, but uh, it's got the Seizure Safe Schools Act, and there's really four components. Uh, one is it would uh, provide seizure recognition and first aid to all school personnel who may be working with a student with epilepsy. And, you know, it's not, you know, in this day and age, we don't like the word mandates, but it's a very brief training. Um, and we go into schools already and do this, and schools oftentimes request it in response to somebody having a seizure. This would just solidify uh, across the state a consistent approach to dealing with seizures. The second is that any student with epilepsy would have what we call a seizure action plan tailored to that individual student. If so-and-so has a seizure, this is what to do in, in this case. And oftentimes, if he's talked about, it can prevent a lot of 911 calls, unnecessary calls. Three, it would assure um, 
access to any FDA approved if medication that their doctor has prescribed. If they need their medication during the day, that they would have access to it. And fourth, there would be an age-appropriate curriculum. And I'm not saying every year, but at some point, students would be exposed to epilepsy awareness and acceptance training. Is, is, it, is, this, a, is, this, is this a piece that a piece of legislation that's been come up before? Or is this no, this will be the first time introduced in New Hampshire, but it's sort of part of a national movement. And 38, I think it's 38 states so far have adopted similar legislation. Don't quote me on the exact number, but it, <laughs> it, it, it is increasing. And uh, we're hoping to file it in each of our five states. And, you know, and I think that's where, um, you know, my job, I can go to the state houses, but this is yeah. where our advocates really push the message. You know, Amy knows what it's like to deal with the schools and, you know, her son's issues. They, legislators want to hear from the Amy's. They just don't want to hear from a director of public policy. Um, so, and that's where we like to really give our folks opportunities to participate in these advocacy efforts and share their stories. Yes. Yeah, and I know I mean, that we're among the 424 uh, members of the uh, New Hampshire General Court. <laughs> yeah. Yes, 24 senators and 400 representatives. <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I started in this field, I actually called the state house and because I thought it was a misprint. It's the third largest. It's the third largest parliamentary uh, body in the world. Your yeah. your House of Representatives. Yes, yeah. we're aware I digress. <laughs> well, I'm sure. You know, it's interesting because I've, I, you know, I'm not a New Hampshire native. I guess I never will be. I was born, you know, in that state to the south of us. But I've lived here since I was like 23 years old. Um, so I've gotten to understand New Hampshire pretty well. And I can't imagine this piece of legislation being a problem. And I just know from the schools, I'm so, um, I've, I deal with schools all the time, in, at least in my neck of the woods here in Carroll County. And there are kids, like there was a kid at a local high school who had a seizure um, last month and my daughter goes there. So I, I, she told me, and I just, I happened to speak with the teacher and um, I, you know, we didn't talk about the kid because he's not allowed to, but he he was like I would love seizure training and um like and he in in the teachers would love it. it it's pretty quick it's pretty and we used to do it from my son's school there was never argument about it ever the teachers wanted to know because nobody wants to have a kid in their class having a seizure and not know what to do and exactly. you know of course me I'm like, of course my attitude used to be like it's really no big deal but I mean really it is such a big deal right. like if you're it's just like unfortunately I was living the life but um it's a big deal if you have a kid in your class who has a tonic-clonic seizure, which is like what they used to call grand mal, and you've never seen it before. So I will help and, your you know, effort, a, a lot of schools are doing it appropriately, and we yeah. want to hear where it's working too because they become the models for best practice. Right. I think the purpose of the, the, uh, the piece of legislation is to provide consistency because you have a child in elementary school, and the school is dealing with it extremely appropriately and then the child changes schools and right. the school may have a whole different approach so that's really the intent yeah excellent before we um let you guys go i'm curious if you guys are facing any you know challenges that um maybe some potential business partners could help with or is there um 
some events that you have coming up that will help raise funds. Um, what are you guys um, dealing with at the moment? Well, um, Bill can go first if he wants. He looks like you know, he that, that, That's interesting, you know, how, how can the business community support? You know, uh, um, some study I was looking at, but 90% of consumers, just the general public, trust businesses that involve themselves with social issues by supporting and, and promoting the work of nonprofits. So obviously that's top on the list. Um, but they also tend to patronize those businesses that that they they trust. So it's really a win-win situation. You know, you uh, businesses can support events in their local community and, and promote these events. And, you know, it's not just money all the time, um, but donations to silent auctions, uh, volunteers, uh, they could attend walks. We have walks in, uh, in various communities throughout our region. So volunteer opportunities, request an in-service. Um, if one in 26 people, uh, Americans, have epilepsy, chances are good, depending on the size of your company, you may have an employee who has a seizure disorder or has a family member. And we're happy to provide these requests. Uh, Quite simply, just support and promote the organization and uh, and use us as a resource. Um, please think, you know, for individuals, for whatever, you think of the Epilepsy Foundation as a resource for your community. And, you know, your support would just be one of many of the areas of, of funding that we rely upon. Um, we get, uh, obviously, individuals donations is a, a key driver. Um, unfortunately, oftentimes it's in memoriams in, in memory of somebody, but individual donations. We do have corporate sponsors for events. Uh, we have a clothing donation center that has been very successful. And in fact, that's enabled us to establish an endowment. We have appeals throughout the year. Uh, we have government grants. Uh, our affiliate of the Epilepsy Foundation is the first and only one Epilepsy Foundation in the country that got direct funding from the CDC for some of our programs and the AmeriCorps funding, uh, which has allowed us to put that community health worker innovative approach. Um, events, conferences, the list goes on and on. Sounds I'm sorry, like I, had my, I had my mic muted. Um, specific to New Hampshire, um, the next event that we have coming up, I don't have all the details. We're having an organizational meeting next week, but. Um, there is a little ski area in Manchester, because skiing is our state sport, for those of you who don't know. Um, we are having, there's a, there used to be the Mountain Dew Vertical Challenge, now it's the Vertical Challenge, and it goes to different mountains. And um, at Macintosh, they are having a Vertical Challenge on February 11th, and we are their nonprofit partner. And that is, like I said, I don't have the specifics, but um, if those of you listening are skiers, head to McIntyre Ski Area on the 11th of February. And we're actually hoping to make that a much broader day across New England in terms of skiing. Um, but I have not done, I'm, I'm working with our um, marketing team and event team, and I am supposed to be dealing with that. And I have not done anything on that yet. So. Well, it sounds like you you all have some good things coming up. We do. Well, I want to thank you both for joining us um, today on this episode. And I know Jeff and I are very happy to speak with you more in the future. But um, I just thank you from, from us for joining us and speaking a bit about the foundation. 
Thank you so much for having Great. us. Thank, Thank you. you for joining us. And right uh, so this is this is uh, Jeff Feingold, the man Andrews uh, signing off, saying, "Be well, everybody."